Hi everyone, it's Andre from Hill Groups. Um, just before we get started, I want to invite you all to another edition of our Hill Groups live post. Um, also, some apologies from uh, Liam and Vanessa. Um, they were unable to make it today. Liam's busy at work and I think Vanessa's busy partying or holidaying or doing something that she does best. Uh, so they send their apologies. Um, just throughout this post, if you can't hear me well, uh, you know, or you want to make a comment, please just comment in the box below and, uh, you know, we'll try and make these as interactive as possible. Um, and also, these videos uh, go on our podcast and they go on our YouTube page and stuff like that. So, you know, I want to also apologize to any podcast listeners, anyone listening to the audio takes or anyone, you know, watching the video. Uh, if it seems a bit weird at times because I'm maybe talking to someone who's commented or, you know, I may be referring to a picture that I've shown and obviously in the audio you don't see the picture. I apologize for that, but you can also find the videos on our Hill Group's YouTube page or on our uh, Facebook page, upload it onto there. If you, you know, if maybe you need to see the visuals that we're using to make things a bit more understandable to you, uh, then please do that. Um, but the whole, whole idea is that I engage with the Facebook Live, uh, uh, <coughs> I suppose, people that are watching and I just use this audio and video to put onto other um, uh, social medias. Anyway, so today's talk is about, and I know I keep harping on this and I know I keep talking about this all the time, but I really feel that today I need to sort of uh, dive in a bit deeper into this and discuss more with you about what I mean when it says processing your thoughts. Um, because, you know, I understand that processing thoughts can be quite a weird thing to try and get your head around. You know, I understand that processing thoughts might not be, uh, I suppose, it's easy to understand as the doctors make it out or even myself make it out. I know I'll probably confuse the situation a few times. Um, just apologies, I'm just on the computer here. I'm just going to do a couple of stuff in the background as we talk. Um, but, you know, I just... Well, I want to read you a few, couple of examples, a couple of definitions <coughs> on what the internet tells you a thought is. Um, and I just want to elaborate a bit on that um, to try and explain it a bit better for you. Uh, because, you know, I read it and I'm confused as hell trying to get this through our heads. And I get it, you know, like uh, when you have anxiety, you know, when you've got a million thoughts in your head, the last thing you want to do is have these words that are, you know, I suppose... 50 letters long and hard to understand because you don't really care about the, the technical jargon and, and, you know, you just want to know what do I have and how do I fix it? And I get that because, you know, I was the same. I had anxiety, depression for years and it got to the point where I was just sick and tired of hearing it and hearing all the, all the sort of jargon that went with it. And I just felt, you know what, just tell me what I have and tell me how to fix it. Um, so, you know, and that's what I did. I went and researched it myself. I just, you know, and I just did my best to speak to people and just tell them, listen, dumb it down for me, okay? I want it, I want it as, you know, anxiety for dummies, please. Uh, just tell me as simply as you can. So, you know, I'm just going to read this paragraph here that I think sums it up really just in this one paragraph. Uh, and it's, at the, it's, it's on a website called Science Alert, and I don't want to keep, you know, sort of go start mentioning names, but... Just to show you how confusing it can be, it's got, but where does a thought actually come from? And by what mechanism does it stick around in our brains? While scientists haven't quite figured this out yet, 
they've come up with a pretty with some pretty fascinating hypotheses. I'll let the latest episode of Explan Explanimator run through those with you. But in the meantime, don't think about it. There he is. You know, I mean, I know I probably didn't read that the best, but the fact that it says here scientists haven't quite figured it out tells us why we're so confused because if a scientist can't figure it out, then how the hell are we going to figure it out? You know, and if you go to other sites here, what is a thought? A thought is a process in which ideas, words, or images suggest other ideas in a sequence. Construction, mental synthesis, the creation of a construct, the process of combining ideas into a congruous object of thought. What the hell are they talking about? You know, like, I suppose the point in all this is don't get yourself so stuck and so hooked up on jumping onto the internet and going and listening to the doctors. I mean, listen to the doctors, can't get me wrong. But... If anyone puts something in a way that you don't understand, then take it upon yourself to go understand it better. Don't just go, oh, well, this is bullshit, too hard to understand, and, and run off. Do yourself a favor, okay? You want to understand it because it's you ultimately at the end of the day that's suffering if you don't understand it. So go out there and do your best to, to find a simplified version or explanation of what a thought is so that you can sort of move forward to the next stage of your healing. Okay, now, I mean, if you ask me what a thought is, I mean, I'm not a scientist or a doctor either, and I'll probably find it hard to explain, but it really, at the end of the day, we all know what a thought is, right? It, it sits in your head, and it's either this sort of, you know, either these, it's verbal, or it's, or it's sort of like these images in your head that they sort of come and go with, you know, situations and circumstances that arise in your life, you know, so you might, you know, certain events come in your life and those events are usually sort of uh, accompanied by thoughts surrounding those events, you know, and I don't want to get technical because I can't, but, you know, we're not stupid. We understand what a thought is in its most simplest terms that are in our head. Um, so let's not go and complicate it and make it too difficult for ourselves because, you know, anxiety and depression and, and the thought process is difficult enough as it is without sort of chasing, you know, these sort of big Google uh, Dr. Google uh, definitions of what it is. Um, so what I want to do today is I want to just show you, uh, I just want to grab my whiteboard and just do a couple of drawings for you to try and simplify it and let you know how I beat my anxiety and depression and one of the biggest things for me on how I got better and what I believe is, uh, I suppose, one of the reasons why we suffer from anxiety and depression. You know, I, for me, anxiety gets too we need to simplify it okay no one understands what it is we're all so confused but no one we, we need to simplify it. just like anything in life every time there's a, a an equation or something an event or anything that occurs in your life that's difficult we always try and find a simpler way or a simpler version right and that's what i'm suggesting with our anxiety we need to try our best to simplify what it is now i'm not saying you know that suck it up it's not as bad as you think yeah it is bad and it is as bad as you think and it is difficult and i get that but i think getting to the root of the problem should be and is a lot simpler than what we're making it out to be okay i'm sorry and i don't mean to disrespect anyone in saying that but the fact of the matter is if we're going to overcomplicate it and we're going to make it more difficult and we're going to make it so hard to understand then when are we ever going to 
get to that point where we can heal ourselves? You know, when are we going to get to that point where we understand it enough that we can heal? Are we just going to keep ourselves trapped in this difficult sort of explanation of what anxiety and depression is? You know, we've been doing that for thousands of years and it's gotten us nowhere. So we need to try, try and take a deep breath, take a step back and simple, simplify what anxiety is to us. Okay. And I'm, like I said, yes, it is difficult and the, the symptoms are bad and I get all that. All right. I, I get it. But ultimately, if we want to help ourselves, okay, if we're serious about getting ourselves help, then we're going to try and break this down and make it as into simpler steps as possible. Because at the moment it's so difficult and so hard to understand that not even, you know, you go on Google and, and you know, there are these doctors online that can't even explain to you what it is so if they've got no chance of explaining what the hell do we have any chance of explaining okay as sufferers we want it simplified as sufferers we don't want to hear how hard it is we don't want to hear the technical terms we don't want to hear anything all we want to know is what do i have and how do i fix it and let me get on with my life okay and and that's what i'm trying to do in helping you i'm trying to Get it so simplified and so basic that anyone can do it. Whether you got family, whether you got support, whether you got friends, whether you got money or no money, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. I am trying to explain to you the way I dealt with my anxiety in the most simplest, easy to understand terms. Okay, because I get that those who have anxiety and those who have depression, our minds are already way too complicated and our minds are already way too cluttered to sit there and try and understand these technical terms that come about okay try and understand the difficulties of anxiety okay don't come to us like that because we're already our heads are already going a million miles an hour all right we need it simplified because we need to be able to in our sort of i suppose confused and, and, and fatigued minds we need it in a simple version for us to understand and that's not to say that we're dumb and that's not to say that you know we, we, we're not intelligent enough to understand, but for it to sink in, our minds are so fatigued already. We just want to, we just want to hear it the easy way, you know, and I really believe that. And, you know, like, you know, there's even stuff online where you, people, and I know this is going to sound bad to a lot of people, but I just need to say it because I want to be honest and truthful with myself the whole time that we do this sort of stuff. You know, there are posts online and it says, uh, if you're having a bad day today, if you're suffering from anxiety, just remember that there's people that love you. Yes, and that's true, and I get that. And you know, and you go on and you read other quotes. Oh, if you're suffering from anxiety today, just remember that you know tomorrow is another day. Okay, and I get that too, and, and that's great to hear. But my point is, uh, there is so much, there is so much going on online, and there's so much that we hear about anxiety that we need to take a step back and simplify it. And, you know, we don't want to always just sit here and hear these quotes. We don't want to always just sit here and hear tomorrow's another day. Because you know what? Yeah, tomorrow's another day, but tomorrow's another day with our anxiety. At what point do we stop and start to focus purely on our anxiety, our anxiety only, and, and stop focusing on the Band-Aid solutions that exist, stop walking on eggshells and, and you know, creating this sort of, softly softly approach to anxiety that we live in in the community because that gets us nothing okay it gets us nothing i'm sorry i know it sounds like a bit of tough love and i know it sounds like i'm telling you to suck it up 
But I had anxiety severely for a very long time. I had the worst of the worst, just like the rest of you, for a very long time. And it wasn't until I got myself to the point where I stopped listening to the softly, softly approach, where I, where I stopped wanting hugs and love from people, and I just wanted to deal with it and get it fixed, okay? Because I didn't want sympathy hugs anymore. I didn't want sympathy love anymore. I didn't want sympathy quotes anymore. I appreciated them, and I loved it, and it was great, and it was good to have that support. But those sympathy votes that we get as anxiety sufferers still don't really hit the mark. And you're still going to wake up the next day and you're still going to have anxiety until you treat what the problem is. And that is the thought processes in your head that need to be addressed. Okay? And I know that's a long-winded way of me sort of getting to my point. But I really strongly believe 100% that my anxiety was uh, came about because of a fatigue that had been created in my mind because of a backlog of thoughts that were, weren't processed. You know, a backlog of thoughts... Uh, that weren't, you know, addressed and dealt with. And my mind became so cluttered that I started to develop this anxious mind because it, a mind that was no longer able to be rational, no longer able to think straight because it, it just had this complete backlog of thinking that was going on. You know, and for me, I really strongly believe that my anxiety, and I believe a lot of people's anxieties, and I'll explain why later, is simply a result of unprocessed, undealt with, uh, you know, thoughts in the head that haven't been revisited and haven't been dealt with. And those thoughts, whether it be one big thought, which creates several thousand other thoughts around it, or whether it be several thousand thoughts or whatever, whatever the thoughts are and how many they are, whether it be one event or several events, doesn't matter. All these thoughts create a branch and offset of other smaller thoughts that gather in the head. And, you know, when we're already at seven thoughts a second, when we're already at a thousand thoughts a day, when we're already at, you know, millions of thoughts a year that run through our head consciously and subconsciously, we cannot afford to hold on to consequences and to dealings and to things that have occurred to us in the past and not deal with them and not address them because they just become this lingering thought that repeats and ruminates in our head that causes this disruption and that causes this mind fatigue and that causes this eventual anxiety that we're suffering from. Now, anxiety doesn't have to be negative or positive thoughts. Anxiety is just the idea of these thoughts in your head that need to be processed. They don't have to be negative. And anxiety doesn't mean you have a bad life. Anxiety doesn't mean, you know, life is shit and you're going to go find out what the problem is. Because you're going to go search for a problem in sometimes that doesn't exist. You know, and you hear it all the time. Oh, you've got a job. You've got money. You've got this. What are you upset about? Because sometimes the problem is not even there. What you're looking for does not exist. Okay? Everyone thinks that if you've got anxiety, there is something in your life that is bringing you down and making you anxious. Yes, and there might be. But there might be stuff that have caused this anxiety. I get that. But it doesn't have to be negative stuff. It can be positive. You can get anxiety from getting married. You can get anxiety from winning the lotto. You can get anxiety from things that are good just as well as bad. But what the bad and the good have in common is that they both require you to process the thoughts in your head. They both require you to declutter your mind to the point that it is now clear, uh, thinking more clearer and that there are less thoughts occupying and, and ruminating in your head 
that you can then start to address the day-to-day thoughts that you have and start to live in the now and live in the moment, as they say, and think more clearly of that. While you have these thoughts stuck in your head that haven't been dealt with, then you're not able to be more present and you're not able to think uh, more clearly in the now. And I'll tell you, I reckon I've got, if any, one, maybe, and I'm just throwing out a number for the sake of it, but I don't think I have any thoughts that are in my head as of today that are more than a day or two old at the most. Okay, I, I because of what I've went through and because I saw the psychologist and because of all the work I've done to, to revisit my mind and to process these ruminating thoughts that may exist from whatever events in, in my past, because I spent time to clear that, I don't even have, I couldn't even tell you of a thought that was more than two or three days old in my head because I deal with it now, I, I deal with it there and then, I process it, I make a decision on what it means to me, I deal with it and I move on. And I keep my mind conscious, co- constantly refreshed and constantly in a position to deal with the now. You know, and and for me, that's the secret to, to the success of beating anxiety and depression. That's the secret. The secret is, I mean, you know, you take time out to go get a massage because you've got a sore neck and a sore back. You take time out to go see a, you know, a Cairo, you'll take, you know, an hour off to go to the gym. You know, a lot of people will address certain situations in their life by taking an hour or two out to go and deal with it. But they never, ever do that when it comes to the mind. You know, they never, ever sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to go to a psychologist today. I've just got a few things in my head. I need to get them out. No, they don't. Because you're too worried about being open. You're too worried about being forward you're too worried about what people might say what people might think but you know what stuff what people might say or think what they're saying and thinking of you now with your anxiety is going to be 10 times worse than what they're going to say with you about you once you've fixed yourself and you got yourself better and at the end of the day too it's no one's business who gives a shit if you go see a psychologist it's 100% anonymous it's 100% confidential no one will know you know and if it's family and friends that you talk to well then good that's what family and friends are for if your family and friends can't be there in the tough times, then when are they going to be there? You know, if you can't turn to family and friends when times are tough, then what's the point? They're there just for the good times to share a few beers, but when the time's tough, they go running. You can't have it that way. Okay? We need to be more honest and more raw with ourselves. You know, we deal with so many other things in our lives by addressing them, by, you know, maybe making an appointment by going to a doctor, by going to a physio, by going to a massage, by going doing yoga, by joining a gym. We do all these other things to satisfy certain issues we might have or, or certain things that, you know, that we want to deal with. But when it comes to our mind and when it comes to our psychology and when it comes to our thoughts and when it comes to our anxiety and depression, we turn and we run the other way. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So we really need to start... Uh, dealing with our anxiety just like it's in any everyday sort of uh, situation just like it's a sore neck just like it's a sore back you know if you're a bit stiff in your head you go get a massage that's fine well if you're a bit cluttered in your mind go see a psychologist for a session it's just the same thing we need to start simplifying this anxiety and depression and treating it with less respect to be quite honest you know we, we we build it up to be this big almighty thing and we allow it to consume us and we allow it to be a part of who we are and be a part of our families and our communities to the point that it consumes us so much to the point that we we don't know how to get out of it. We don't know how where to even start or where to begin. And I'm telling you, the place to begin 
is simply don't stop treating it with the with with that level of respect stop believing that it's bigger than it is it seems bigger because it's overwhelming and because you're a bit it's a bit difficult for you and you know and it seems bigger because you've got your heart rate going and you're tight you know the symptoms are shit that's what i'm trying to say okay it feels bigger because the symptoms are shit i don't get that but if you simplify it if you take a step back and if you really breathe and think about it the the way to address it is a lot simpler than we make it out to be okay it really is a lot simpler than we make it out to be but for some reason we find comfort in this doom and gloom we find comfort in this you know sadness you know what i mean we we love someone to come and give us a hug and a kiss and say it's going to be okay because it, we, we feel comfort comforted we feel like we got someone around us we feel like we got someone there you know and and we can fall into a trap of wanting to live in this negative space because that's where the love is that's where the people are that's where we get our little pats on the head our little high fives and we get these little quotes online that say we love you and keep going but you know what if you want to live in that space and you want to live in that in that little bubble where people come and stroke your ego because you can't deal with it but then that's fine go ahead but in 5 10 15 20 years when you're still dealing with your anxiety well then you know i don't want to say i told you so but eventually you need to break yourself out of that you can still get hugs and kisses you can still get people come and say hi you can still get have family and friends around you while you're in a positive happy state you don't have to be in a negative sad state to get that you know and we really need to take control back of our own lives and understand if we don't do it no one else is going to do it okay and we don't want people just to come up to us and, I'm, and I say we because I've spoken to others and I'm sure I'm 100%, if not 99.9% .9 right when I say that the love and the support and the quotes that we read and all that stuff are great and they're good because we need that, okay? It's actually part of one of my eight steps that I have, that support, that faith in people, having those people around you. I get that. It's needed. But that is not enough to get rid of your anxiety. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. We want to get, get rid of it, Right? We'll eliminate it so we can move on and be be us and live as us. All right. So now I know I went down a, a, a long sort of windy road just then talking about it. But my main point out of all that I just said was let's really have a think about what anxiety is in the most simplest terms. And let's go and approach and let's go and attack that. Okay. Because if you think about it, they tell you go do yoga, go to the gym, go breathe. Go meditate. Take medicine. Everything that they tell you to do is for what? It's for what reason? To slow down your mind and to slow down your body and to get you to start trying to live in the now as easy and as simply as possible. All right? Now, that's good and that's right. And that's where you need to be living in that present moment where your thoughts and your minds are being processed. Your, the thoughts in your mind are being processed as you go there and then day by day so you're living in the now you're not living in the past with thoughts from before okay now and that's true so that's what you should do but they're band-aid solutions okay if i have severe anxiety which i did and i went and did a yoga session it doesn't mean my anxiety is gone the next day it's still there but then i go back and do another yoga session because i'm in the now the next day it's still there and i go back and do another yoga session and so on and so on so what i'm trying to tell you and what i'm trying to do is not give you these i suppose false hope and false dreams and say to you 
just go do that, just go breathe, just go do that. Because I know 100% that I'll go do that shit and I'm still going to have anxiety tomorrow. And that serves me no purpose other than in that hour or two, I feel good. But you know what? I don't want to feel good an hour or two in that day. I want to feel good for my whole life, for the rest of my life. You know? And I'm going to be honest, I hardly did any yoga. I didn't do any, actually. I did no meditation. I didn't do anything other than see a psychologist and take this shit very seriously and stop giving anxiety, uh, stop, you know, scratching and, and nurturing the ego of this anxiety that, you know, we've sort of created in this community where we build it up to be this thing bigger than Ben-Hur. I get that it is, and I get a lot of people suffer from it. But if if, if each individual person stopped, took a breath, stepped back for a second, and looked at themselves individually, and looked at what the fundamental issue is of their anxiety and their depression, and where it stems from, you might not even know where it stems from, but from, it stems from the thoughts in your head, like I said earlier. It stems from the lack of processing that goes on in our heads. If we just all individually did that, then one by one, we can make a massive change to the way that we suffer from anxiety. We can make a massive change to the stigma that exists. And don't even get me started on the word stigma, okay? And I know this is going to sound harsh, but the stigma sucks and the stigma is shit because of us who have it. We create the stigma. Don't tell me we don't. If someone doesn't have anxiety and sees someone who does have anxiety and that person is a wreck and that person can't control themselves and that person doesn't, can't control their lives and that person doesn't have control of their situations in their life, then what message is that giving that person who doesn't have it? What message is that giving the community? People don't make up this stigma. They don't just go, oh, that bloke's got anxiety. His life is shit. It's not just made up. That stigma exists because for us who do have anxiety and depression, we give off that impression. We give off that vibe to the community. And then that's where the stigma is created and developed. And the only way for us to change the stigma about anxiety is for us as individuals to take back control of the word, take back control of the stigma, fix ourselves the best we can, and give off a different vibe, give off a different uh, persona, be more positive, slowly create change in our lives that we get rid of our anxiety and we cure ourselves. And by us as individuals standing back and making a conscious decision to better ourselves with our anxiety and to get the help that we need, then slowly then we change that stigma. Because when that person sees someone with anxiety, when someone sees me with anxiety, I know what they say. I hear it. Oh, that bloke's normal. There's nothing wrong with him. He's doing podcasts. He's doing Facebook live posts. He's got a full-time job. He's married, loving life. But he's had anxiety his whole life. And there's nothing wrong with him. Because I don't give off... The the vibe that my life is shit and it sucks. I know anxiety is shit and I know anxiety sucks. And I went and I got help and I dealt with it and I did the best I can to get better and cure myself. But I don't give off that vibe. If you see me in the street, if you see me at the pub, if you see me at someone's house, if you see me wherever, in my house, I don't give off that vibe and I don't give off, the, you know, and I don't show openly those symptoms for people to think that, I live in this cloud and in this bubble and that my life is shit with my anxiety. So the stigma starts with us. If we want to change that, then we need to change that. We need to stand up, put our hands up, take control and say, you know what? The stigma doesn't belong to you. It belongs to us. And we're going to decide what that stigma looks like, not you. And the only way we can change that and do that is for individually, each one of us to put our hands up and say, yes, we need help. Yes, I'm willing to swallow my pride if that's what it takes for a bit to go and see a psychologist. But... 
I don't need to help me for me. Okay, and and that's where that stigma starts to change. Now, I'm just gonna uh, get my lovely little whiteboard. I don't know if you can see it that well, but I'll do my best. Okay. I just want to draw a couple of things for you because I want to try and simplify this as much as possible. All right. For me, this is where anxiety comes from for me. Okay. Um, now, I know this is a bit silly, but I'm just going to do my best. All right. So, that's your head. Okay. I'm going to make it very simple. And I just want to understand. I'm not trying to be a scientist here. I'm not trying to be a psychologist here. I'm not trying to give you the, the ultimate definition. I'm just trying to tell you in my head what it is to me and how I simplified it for myself, okay? Now you can imagine inside your head, inside your mind, this is your mind, okay? Thousands and millions of thoughts that occur over the space of a day, a week, a month, whatever. So this is your mind and these are the thoughts, okay? Now if you suffer, if, if, if there's a particular event that occurs, whether negative or positive, doesn't matter what, uh, uh, whether you're laid off from work, you get fired, you're in a car crash, uh, uh, or you're getting married, you win some money, doesn't matter, positive or negative. That event creates a thought that goes into your head, okay? Now, that thought ruminates with the rest of these little other thoughts, okay? Some of these thoughts are subconscious thoughts that you don't think about much. Colors, uh, you know, shapes, sizes, you know, even tying your shoelace, stuff like that, unless you don't know how to, but you know what I mean? There are some thoughts that are in here that don't require much processing, much thinking. They're subconscious thoughts, or even conscious thoughts, like opening a door. It doesn't require much processing or thinking. But then there are some, like possibly this here, let's use an example. Let's say you had, you know, let's say you lost your job, okay? You got kids, you lost your job, you don't have much money anymore, okay? And that thought goes in here. Now you can choose to do one of two things. You can choose to address this thought and by addressing it, you're putting uh, plans in place. You're talking to your partner. You're up doing, you're doing your resume up. Uh, you know, you're going out there and you're busting your gut to find another job to cancel out this problem. All right. Or you can let this thought circulate in here and join the millions of other thoughts. Okay. Now the next day, something else happens and what we're doing is this already flooded mind, we're putting more and more thoughts in, and these thoughts are created by just events of our day, all right? Just normal events that occur in our life create certain thoughts, and they all go in here. Now, if you don't address them as they go in and deal with them, they're creating more and more clutter within here, okay? Now, it's very important, and I know this sounds very simple, but it's very important and it might not be easy because some things might not require just a thought process. But some things, some things will require you to just make a decision and say, you know what, uh, you know, whatever, you scratched your car. Now, you can either just say, oh, well, it was an old car anyway, it's got a scratch, big deal, and get on with it. And that thought is dealt with. Or you can choose to say, you know what, oh my God, it's an expensive car. I can't believe I scratched it. And create several other thoughts that, to go along with that. That clutters your mind even more. Okay, now I hope I'm trying to make a bit of sense. But what I'm saying here is, whatever thoughts, okay, whatever events that occur in your life, whether it be a death in the family, whether it be, you know, it even doesn't have to be negative. Like I said, it could be good. It could be a birth in the family, a baby. 
Okay, whatever goes in, you need to make a decision on how that's going to affect you. You need to make a decision on what you're going to label and make of that thought, okay, and how you're going to do with it. And you're going to either choose to put that thought to rest and get rid of it, or you can choose to sweep it under the carpet and let it join these millions of other thoughts and ruminate inside, okay? Some thoughts require physical planning. Some thoughts require you to actually, you know, make a phone call or speak to someone or do a resume up or whatever it might be. Some thoughts require a physical action to take place before you can cancel that thought out and get rid of it, all right? Which might take days, weeks, months sometimes, it depends. But you still need to do that because if you don't, for those days, weeks or months, it's in here ruminating with everything else. Now, for me, anxiety occurs, okay, when these thoughts from your everyday life gather and collect so much, and it could be just one big event, okay? It could be a death. It could be anything that's such a big traumatic event. But like everything, this one event creates thousands and thousands of thoughts, creates thousands and thousands of emotions. And what we start to do is we start to flood the mind with these unprocessed thoughts that we haven't stopped to take, make a conscious effort to deal with and decide on how they, we're going to let them affect us. And what eventually happens is we get this mind fatigue, okay? We get this fatigue of the mind where the mind no longer can rationalize, no longer can think straight, and starts to create this anxious way of living, okay? Now, I can guarantee if you say to someone who's got severe anxiety, you know, oh, how's your mind, how's your head? The first thing I'll say to you is, oh, a million miles an hour, okay? It's going off like a frog in a sock. Because of this, because of what I've spoken about, because there are thoughts that have entered that haven't been processed. There's a reason why the Dalai Lama, there's a reason why, you know, Anthony Robbins and all these other people talk about living in the now, being in the present and, and living their life free of anxiety because they deal with things as they come. And they don't flood the mind with these excessive thoughts, okay? And as they're dealing with them and eliminating them, they're keeping the mind free of excess thinking and allowing them to be more conscious of the now and allowing them to live more in the present. So for me, what I was saying earlier, I don't have thoughts in my head now that are more than a day or two old. If I do, I might have one, maybe two max that... If I've thought about it long and hard, I might be able to come up with. But because now, everything that happens to me in my life, as soon as it goes in, I make a decision straight away, I deal with it straight away. I won't go to sleep on anything if it's too severe to sleep on. You know, I won't just sweep things under the carpet anymore. Anything that goes in, I deal with instantly. And if not instantly, I deal with as soon as possible. And I create this free thinking that goes on in my mind, which allows me to be more present, and which allows me to think more rationally of the now and of today and of where I am now in my life. And this is what got rid of my anxiety. What I did was my mind was so cluttered, but over the three years that I saw a psychologist, I addressed this thought, this thought, this. I went through with a list of all these ruminating thoughts and all these issues that were in my mind. And one by one, I went through that list and I crossed them all off. And what I did was I created this more free-flowing, more open mind where I got myself finally to the point where I was living in the now, dealing with the now, 
and it's being able to process and rationalize things in the present better than I was in the past. And by doing that, eliminated my anxiety. Because the anxiety came when my mind was so cluttered and so fatigued that it no, no longer was in a position to think clearly with, the, with, with thoughts of my day. You know, and that's why people say, oh, you know, when I had anxiety, I was, I was a hypochondriac. I always thought I was sick. You know, I always thought the world was going to end. I always thought, you know, they have these really excessive, irrational thoughts. But they have them because the mind is saying, I give up. The mind is tapping out. Okay? And what we need to do, and I'm sure if you all think about it, if you had to sit there and write a list, there's going to be at least a bare minimum of one probably really big, big issue that you haven't faced, which created several other thoughts, possibly thousands of thoughts off that. Or you've got a list a mile long from when you're back, you know, from when you're a kid that you haven't dealt with and addressed. Whatever it is, you know, if there's a ruminating thought in your head, if there's a thought that keeps going around and around and around inside your head, then you know you need to deal with that. You know that that thought is a problem and a concern to your mind and that it has the inability to, to subconsciously or consciously deal with it without you directly addressing it yourself. Okay, and we need to start looking at our lives looking at the problems that we have, whether good or bad, whatever it might be, we need to start addressing the backlog of thoughts because we've got to start from the backlog. Whatever the furthest back you can go is, you've got to start there. There's no point in starting from today because you're not going to be able to think straight because you're going to have so much from the past. So write yourself a list of everything that ruminates, everything that it might take you a few days to write this list because some things you might not be able to think about straight away. But spend a few days writing a list of everything that's in your head. And then you need to make a conscious effort to do your best to address those thoughts one by one. Decide on what they're going to do for you. So whether you're going to decide to continue to be angry or not angry anymore. Whether you're going to try, decide to continue to let this thought grow and ruminate in your head or not. What decision are you going to make on that thought? Okay. If you lost your job, okay, it's tough, I get it. But can you do your resume up? Can you sit with your partner and find another job? Can you find something casual in the meantime? There's always a plan, there's always a way, okay? It might take a bit of planning, it might take a bit of work, but there's always a way, and we need to find that way, okay? And whatever that way is to get you past or to get you at least to the next point, then you need to make that get up and make that decision. You need to do that. If you don't, you're just going to keep living in this fatigue, cluttered mind state, all right? And the anxiety is not going to go. So unfortunately, the way to deal with this is not always going to be easy. It's easy if your thoughts are from stuff that are good, whether you won the lottery, you got a new job, all that sort of stuff's easy because, you know, you can get a new job and have anxiety for a few days. Getting a new job's good, but all the thoughts that come with it in this cluttered mind creates an anxious state, okay? Unless... You've dealt with everything from your past and your mind isn't cluttered, then your new job might not make you as anxious as it would have because you're thinking a bit more clearer and you're thinking a bit more in the present. Uh, so, you know, the whole idea is let's get rid of the thoughts of the past. Once you can do that, then let's start to address the thoughts of today and the thoughts of the now that start to come in 
And those thoughts, I mean, are the, the events, events in your life that occur and what thoughts and what connection you're going to make with those events, you know, whether it be a new job, whether it be whatever, anything that occurs in your life, okay? What, how are you going to do, how, how are you going to approach them? And then deal with them and get rid of them and move them on. The trick is to freeing yourself from anxiety and depression, especially anxiety. For me, depression came because of my anxiety. I was so fatigued. I was so overwhelmed. I was so tired. I was so fed up with the shit that I was copying the symptoms. I got depression from that. But once my anxiety went, my depression went. So the key to getting yourself rid of this cluttered and anxious mind is free it up. Deal with whatever shit is in your life or whatever good is in your life. Whatever it is that's creating this constant inflow of thoughts, deal with it. Either make a decision yourself, either say it out loud, whatever it might be, make a decision yourself on what that thought's going to mean to you. Or if they have to physically put something in place, you have to physically do something, make a phone call, whatever it might be that requires you to get rid of that thought. Because you might have a thought that's in your head, but it involves another person. And maybe it's hard to go past that without that addressing that other person. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just speaking out loud. But we need to make a decision on what that thought is going to mean to you and how you're going to approach it. So hopefully one by one, you knock off all these and you allow yourself a more freer mind and you allow yourself to wake up in the morning and think more clearly of the day ahead rather than the days from the past. And for me, that's how I got rid of my anxiety. For me, I just went and absolutely addressed everything that was in my head from such a young age up until now, where I'm so much more refreshed, I'm so clearer, I'm living now, I believe, a 2020 mind and not something from the past. And I'm able to rationalize better, I'm able to be think a lot clearer. And I've gotten rid of my anxiety because I no longer have this tired, damaged mind that is overwhelmed. So, you know, one of the important things to realize from that is what I was speaking about before. People think that anxiety is, you know, all this negativity, that there's something bad in your life. No, people, the reason why that comes about is usually something bad that occurs has a collection of a lot of thoughts that comes with it because you don't usually address it straight away. Usually if something bad occurs, you sweep it on the carpet or you're, more, you're less reluctant to deal with it there and then, which in turn creates more and more thoughts. So, you know, a lot of people with anxiety, you know, it, it seems like it's this negative state because a lot of these uh, incidences that might be bad, you know, a death or whatever, uh, are hard to deal with. But... Regardless of what it is, PTSD from a particular event, a death in the family, illness in the family, winning the lotto, getting a new job, whatever it might be, good or bad, the common thing that all these have is that they all are going to at some point require you to process particular thoughts that come with it. And that's what we're looking at. That's what we're dealing with. To me, that's what anxiety is. It's not necessarily always about you having a negative or a, a, a shit life or something bad that's occurred and you've created this anxiety from it, you know, and because you, you've got to be careful not to fall into that trap because you can end up going looking for where this badness is and it's nowhere. And you're digging and what you might do 
is dig up shit from the past and, 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 and create this negativity. And then all of a sudden you, you do have this negativity in your life that should never have been there. But you went looking for it and you found something and you made something up. Because, because people are telling you and, and you're reading online and people are saying, well, what's so bad in your life? Let's go address this. Let's go address that. Let's go. Sometimes it's, there's nothing. I don't know where my anxiety came from. All right? I don't. I don't have one point or one trigger that gave me anxiety. All I know one day is that I woke up, I had the world's biggest anxiety attack, and from that day on, I had severe anxiety and depression. Now, if you would have come up to me and said, oh, you know, what are you anxious for? I couldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. There was no trigger for me. So for me to have gone out there and try and find what the trigger was, I was wasting my time. And I did, I did try and find it. I've made excuses for everything and I tried my best to blame something for my anxiety when eventually I just realized, well, hang on, there's nothing to blame for it. You know, I could have blamed work. I could have blamed anyone for it. But, but by blaming something that you shouldn't be, okay, by just making up blame for the sake of making it up because you think anxiety equals, you know, blame and anxiety equals a negative event and you're going out looking for it. By doing that and creating that, then what you're doing is digging yourself into a bigger hole. Okay? I didn't I chose not to blame anything for my anxiety because I didn't want to give anything, and especially I didn't want to give my anxiety any reason to hang around longer than it should. Okay? Because by creating blame, if it's not there, for some it is. For some, you know, you might suffer PTSD because of work and whatever else. And there might be blame attached to your anxiety. And that's fine. And if there is, then deal with it. If it's from work or it's from a particular incident, whatever processes are in place, follow those processes, okay? If you're a victim of something which gives you anxiety, then go out and be a victim and follow the processes and get your reward and get your, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, like, get what you deserve out of it, Okay? whether it's compensation, what I don't care, whatever it is. I'm not saying just accept shit that happens and get on with it. No, but be careful not to play the victim. Okay, you can be a victim, but don't go out there playing the victim because all you're doing is digging yourself into a bigger hole and all you're doing is allowing whatever particular event that gave you your anxiety and depression, your PTSD or whatever, all you're doing by playing a victim is allowing that particular event to dictate how long you're going to suffer for. Okay, and I mentioned this before. And we don't want to allow our suffering to go any longer than it has to. And we don't want to give our suffering to someone else and give them control of it and let them dictate how long we suffer for. So you can be a victim of a particular event. That's fine. And there's laws in place and there's systems and policies and procedures and whatever in place, okay, that you can look to, okay, to get justice. But be careful not to go around and play the victim and look for sympathy and look to... to look to you know scratch it and, and nurture your ego because by doing that you're allowing that event to dictate how long you're going to suffer for you're you're saying to that event i'm going to play the victim and i'm going to drag this out as long as this goes you know as long as this drags out for and we all know if things end up in court if things end up at work sometimes stuff takes years to resolve if you're going to play the victim for years then what you're doing is giving someone control of your suffering for that period of time what I'm suggesting is 
deal with the situation, process it the best you can there and then as soon as possible. Once you're in a good headspace to sit back and reflect on what just occurred, you don't, might not be able to do it straight away because, you know, you might be a bit distraught, you might be a bit shattered, it might be a bit overwhelming for you, you're not thinking very clearly. So take some time to reflect and take a deep breath. But once you've had that time, then process that thought the best you can and try not to make yourself a victim of that circumstance. All right? Allow yourself to be headstrong and say to whatever this event was or whatever happened in your life that, no, I'm not going to let you tell me how long I suffer for. Yes, you, I suffered, but now I'm taking back control and I'm going to tell you now that I'm controlling my life and I'm dealing with it how I want it to. I'm not allowing you to tell me how to deal with it anymore. You know, and let the system, let the law, whatever else, parallel with your healing, continue to do what it needs to do and get yourself, you know, whatever justice is yours at the end of it. So I'm not saying suck it up and just if something shit happens, well, too bad, you know, let these people, let this individual, let whatever get away with it. No, I'm not. But just be careful not to, you know, play that victim for too long to the point where it's been several years and you've just develop this negative sort of mindset and this negative lifestyle around you because at the end of the day it's your life and you want it back as soon as possible and you don't want to give people the opportunity to bring you down okay um so the reason why i said all that is because sometimes even with ptsd sometimes the most severe things as hard as they are to deal with still need to be processed and still need to be looked at in your own time but eventually otherwise they just gather and fester and get worse and worse okay so Sometimes we need to, you know, I know it sounds like a bit of tough love, but, you know, ultimately it comes back to us. Do we want to heal or don't we? Do we want to hold on to the anxiety and depression and let it be a part of us for years and years? Or do we want to get on with our lives? Really, that's what it is at the end of the day. Either yes or no. And I'm not saying it's that easy. But if you don't want to have it, then there are some decisions you need to make. Simple as that. And if you don't, well then it's not going anywhere. You're going to have it for a lot longer, you know, and we need to start, and this is why we're talking about this stigma and all the rest. If we wanted the stigma to change, we have to reclaim that. We have to say, nah, enough's enough. I'm going to take control. And for me, taking control of my anxiety was what I showed you on this whiteboard. Okay. Every time I draw on this whiteboard, it always ends up like a smashed egg or something. All right. But it's about, Processing those thoughts in your head, dealing with them, freeing your mind up and allowing you to think a lot clearer. Okay, I went from a very secure, good paying job with and had severe anxiety, got myself sorted, left my job. Okay, so one of the ways that I had to heal, and I know this is not easy for some because you might have kids and all the rest and mortgages, but with planning, anything's possible. I planned with my wife. Anything's possible with planning. There's always a way out if you have to get out, okay? I'm not suggesting you just jump ship and leave. But if you have to change your job, then do your best to change it. Why not? People have done it in the past. People have done it for thousands of years and they've gone on with life. Put a system in place. Do some planning. Update your resume. Speak to your partner. Put some money aside. You know, try to get yourself in a position where you can leave your job and find something, you know? But another reason why I say that was... For me, the missing piece of the puzzle for my anxiety and depression, for me, what I believe was that last piece of the puzzle was I had to quit my job. Because even though I liked it and even though, you know, 
I don't blame it for my anxiety at all. It was still a job that potentially could give me severe anxiety, potentially could cause all these issues to come flooding back. So to prevent that, I left. So, uh, you know, sometimes that's, I mean, that's a decision I had to make and that's one of those actions that I had to take. And, you know, and those actions is another one of those eight steps that I talk about. One of them is taking action. And, you know, I had to do it. And I did. And I'm grateful because, you know, I went from one job, good money and severe anxiety. And when I left for about a year or so, I worked three or four jobs and had no money. All right. So I was worse off. And I know I'm not, I know that sounds shit telling you that because now you're going to say to me, well, why should I quit my job? You just told me you're worse off. But that was my own doing. That was my own decision. All right. I had to, I tried to give myself a bit of a gap year. Uh, so I didn't really go chasing another full-time job. So I worked several other jobs and I had no money, but I had no anxiety. Even though my life appeared to be worse in terms of stability and income, uh, mentally, I was as refreshed and better than ever because I had got myself to that point where I was thinking clearly every day about every event that came my way, that I was able to address day-to-day the events of my life in a rational, clear way that these four jobs, that that lack of income didn't stress me, didn't give me anxiety because I put plans in place. I knew there was a long-term goal. I knew I had these long-term plans. I knew that eventually because I was thinking clearer, because I processed all those thoughts, because I saw a psychologist for a few years, because I made a very strong conscious decision to beat my anxiety, even though I was working three or four jobs and had no money, I was still very headstrong and very still clear in my head about my career and my path because I knew I had plans. I knew I had spoken to my wife. I stood in a clear headspace to put these plans in place for me to now, where I sit now, have a full-time job. And now I've gone back to, not back to my old job, but now I've gone back to pretty much how I was before with similar sort of income, one job, good job security. And, you know, life went on. So for me, um, I'm going to start wrapping this up because I think it's 7.30. I want to say hi and thanks to everyone who listened. Um, I want to just say that, you know, unfortunately, the nature of anxiety and depression is sometimes we need a bit of tough love. Sometimes we need to make, make decisions and do things that at the time seems very difficult to do. But we have to tell ourselves that what's our end result? What's our goal? If our goal is to live anxious, uh, anxiety-free and without depression, then unfortunately, sometimes you have to jump. Sometimes you have to make that decision. And trust me, it might feel a bit difficult. You know, going to a psychologist might feel a bit weird for a bit. You know, uh, making some sort of hard decisions in your life might feel a bit difficult at the time. But when they start to fall into place and when you start to see yourself and your anxiety uh, getting better and, and you know when you start to see that your anxiety is actually being eliminated and going then those things that you did and those decisions definitely become worth it and you start to see the benefit of those decisions you know when I saw a psychologist for the first six months I cried I bawled my eyes out I was paying that bloke ridiculous money and I think for the first six months of those sessions I didn't even talk I just cried now I could have just got up and walked off and said Stuff this shit. I'm a grown man. I shouldn't be crying. But 
I knew in my head that if that's what it took for me to be better at the end of it, if that's what it took for my wife to have a better husband, if that's what it took for my family to have a better son, if that's what it took for me to have a better life, then I was willing to do that. Because ultimately, I wanted a life without anxiety and depression. I wanted no excuses. I wanted to be able to command my own mind and say to myself, no, I'm sorry, but it's my mind, it's my headspace, and I'm going to take back control, and I'm going to control it, and I, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to let my anxiety, my depression, Dr. Google, uh, or anyone else tell me otherwise. And this is why I'm very strong on using the word cure. This is why I'm very strong on being positive, because if we don't get ourselves into that headspace, if we don't believe strongly with all our heart that we can be cured and we can be fixed, then really, you're, you're wasting your time, you're fighting, you're fighting a losing battle, okay? Because you need to get yourself into that area of belief, you need to get yourself into that positive mindset, so that you can create an environment around you that allows you to go and heal. And if that means stop listening to people that are negative, then you've got to stop that. If that means losing certain friends because they're negative and getting in your head, then I'm sorry, go lose them, all right? If it means changing job, doesn't matter what. Whatever it requires for you to make, whatever decisions you need to make to rid yourself of this disease, to rid yourself of your anxiety and depression, then sometimes, unfortunately, you need to make those decisions. Okay? Otherwise, deal with it and live with the anxiety for the rest of your life. Okay? Now, hopefully, you don't have to make too many. Hopefully, your anxiety... Alleviates and disappears after just one or two simple decisions or after one or two visits to the psychologist. Not all anxiety is going to be a really long grind where you have to see a psychologist for three years like me and you have to change a job like I did. No, some things might just require little tweaks or little visits. I know revisiting these thoughts in your head, you know, you might have a mind cluttered full of thoughts, but it might just be one particular event that's creating this clutter. You might just have to go see a psychologist to address just that one event and then all of a sudden you freed your mind up to live a bit less anxious. So it's not always as severe and bad as I might make, be making it sound. Okay, so, but you're never going to know unless you start. You're never going to know unless you try, you know. And I would strongly say, go, if you can see a psychologist, go. If you can't afford one, find a way to see one. Okay, put money aside, uh, budget, go to Medicare, go speak to a psychologist. Maybe he can get you on some sort of payment plan. I don't know. But just don't sit back and say no too hard because I'm sorry, then you're, you're, you're agreeing to a life of anxiety and I can't help you and no one can help you. You've got to help yourself. And, you know, you need to really put steps in place and take pride of it. Be happy about it. You know what I mean? Like this should be exciting you. You should be listening to me going, oh my God, wow, I am so excited because there is a way out. You know, you should be listening to me and, you know, when I get off this phone, you get up and you run to your partner, you run wherever you got to run, run to the, I don't know, whatever, whoever, your dog, your cat, give them a high five, give them a big hug and a kiss and say, we're going to get through this because I'm telling you there's a way out and you can get through it. And I am not going to be one of those people that drags you down into this grey cloud and tells you 
that it can't be beaten. I'm not going to be one of those people, okay? I refuse to be. What I am, and I'm going to be one of those people that motivates you, gets you off your ass, and makes you feel excited and happy that there is a way out. I want you to listen to me and go, fuck, wow, you know what? That bloke makes sense. That bloke gets me. There is a way out, and you know I'm going to go chase that. I'm going to go get that, and be excited about that. Be excited about the possibility of a life without anxiety and depression. You know, and that's what I want to portray to you. That's what I want to give you. That's what I want to tell you. Stop living in this negative headspace. Stop living in this. You know, I feel really bad. I go online and I, I, have, I immerse myself in anxiety and depression. Okay, I immerse myself because I'm in a better headspace now where I can cop that, where I can go and immerse myself on all these Facebook pages and not get anxious. Because I, 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 I read it and I look at these Facebook pages of anxiety and depression and I read it for what it is and I don't take it on board as my own personal grief and you know and I just read it for what it is. But I read some of this stuff that's online and my heart bleeds for the world. My heart bleeds for all, every one of you because it, it seems like everyone believes there's no way out. You know, and I, I just... I get it. I get why you believe that because we've created this community that thinks that we've created these, you know, and you get these a lot of sort of, you know, I suppose experts, you know, so these lounge chair experts who want to tell you that. And these people might not even have anxiety themselves. They're just saying it because they heard it or they read it. You know, we need to get ourselves out of this thing that anxiety is here to stay. We need to separate ourselves from it. Stop showing it this level of respect that we give it. Stop welcoming it into our families and into our homes and into our communities and stop accepting it as part of our lives. Okay, yes, and I don't want to have to go back to one or two episodes before that I spoke and about different types of anxiety. Yes, we have normal everyday human emotion and anxiety and that's here to stay because it's part of us and it's part of our makeup and our DNA. I get that. What I am harping on about and talking about is this clinical next level anxiety that you know debilitating anxiety that we all know of if we suffer from it you know what i'm talking about okay that's what i'm talking about let's not live in that space okay um so anyway i hope i made sense i hope uh you know something i said sort of sunk in um i hope you sort of get a better understanding of where i'm at with anxiety and depression in my headspace in the way i approach it and i think about it i'm just trying to simplify it Okay, I'm just trying to make anxiety something simple, simple for us to deal with rather than making it this big, uh, you know, web of, you know, impossibility. You know what I mean? I don't want to, I'm trying to simplify it. If you look at my eight steps, all my eight steps are simple and easy to do, cost no money. You can do them yourself. Okay, really, apart from seeing a psychologist, all the other steps require just a bit of tweaking in your mind, a bit of tweaking about the way you think and the way you approach things. You know, so I'm just trying to simplify it and dumb it down as much as possible to allow us to see it for what it is. Okay? And to allow us to realize that anxiety doesn't have to be this complete consuming, overwhelming thing that that takes control of us. That if we just take a step back, take a deep breath, we can see it for what it is. And that is just a series of events, certain things in our lives we probably haven't addressed well and we need to go back and address them and stop making it, making those thoughts ruminate 
and create this anxious way of living, you know? And for me, that's ultimately what the what solved it for me, okay? For me, that was the complete solution. Um, so uh, once again, um, we're going to upload the audio to podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're going to put the video in YouTube on our YouTube, Hill Group's YouTube channel. I'm going to split it up into two or three segments so you don't have to sit here and listen to me for an hour or so. Um, I want to invite you to like, share, comment, subscribe. If you think anything, even five minutes of what I said over the last hour is going to mean anything to anyone, please share it. Please get them to look at it. Please get them to listen to it. Um, it's not about me just going out there trying to get likes and trying to get follows, okay? Although, to be honest, that's nice to have because it gives me an audience to talk to. I don't feel like I'm talking to myself. Uh, more importantly, it gets those people who need the help, it gets them the help. And that's what it, this is all about, okay? Um, so, uh, also our email address, uh, hillgroups@outlook.com, or you can get us on our Facebook page just by you know, sending me a message or a comment or anything like that. Um, so we're really trying to get people uh, involved in Hill Groups, we're really trying to get people to participate and, you know, become part of the movement, so to speak, and, you know, share their stories. So please, if you think that you want to come forward and be on one of these videos or maybe just shoot us a little letter or an email or, you know, share your story with us, please do so. I'll be more than happy to either share that or it can just be one-on-one, -on -one, me and you. We don't have to go past that. You know, it doesn't have to go out onto social media. It can just be something between us that we discuss if you feel that you need to talk to someone. Um, once again, uh, thanks for listening. Um, Wednesday next week, 7.30 to 8.30. Uh, please tune in um, and, you know, please engage and comment and, and, and you know, sort of let us know uh, how we're going with our, um, with our talk. Um, you know, and if you want to, if there's something that maybe I didn't uh, explain well enough or a particular topic that you might want to talk about, if you just put it in the comments or you flick us a little message or an email or something, we'll bring that up for you and raise that for you on your behalf. Um, anyway, I'm rambling on now. So thank you so much. Uh, take care of yourselves and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.